welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher, and I am here with Tom. How you doing? Good. How are you, sir? I am not doing too bad. It's been a uh, it's been a good couple weeks. Nothing um, earth shattering, or you know, the snow has melted and the sun is back. Spring so is happy. trying to sprung. <laughs> yes. We've had a few couple a few good days. Today was a nice sixty degrees. Uh, yeah. Same sunny. here. Same here. So you- yeah, it was nice to taking the dog walk and uh, not needing an umbrella or snow boots or yeah heavy coats and not uh, well in my case not belaboring belaboring the half mile walk that I have to do just to get to my car and my office so oh yeah so not hating that walk is a nice thing yeah no kidding I can imagine I took a day off this past week. Yeah, cuz uh, uh and somebody went and turned 50. Someone did, and so I thought I'd take a day off just to celebrate for them. <laughs> and, and that someone turning 50 is making me feel awful goddamn old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I went uh, I went exploring. I do one of my usual kind of just a uh, uh, mental health breaks, and I just needed to get you know away from work, away from home. I get in the car and I just drive somewhere, mm. and ended up finding some uh, some interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I found you know, a uh, sort of a private public. I don't know how you would describe it. Uh, sculpture park. Okay. It, it's private property, right? But and it's but they welcome the public to come and view. Exactly, exactly. And it, it's rather sad because this uh, gentleman, his name was George Court. He was a retired pipe fitter, apparently, turned sculptor. And this property was next to or near his shop. And unfortunately, he just passed away a few weeks ago. Oh. That's how I found out about this is because a, a group I, I belong to on Facebook is a photographer group. And someone mentioned uh, this and was like, hey, if you're looking for some place to go take some pictures, this might be interesting. And a little backstory behind it. And like, and Hell yeah, that's on the list. So yeah, I went down and checked it out. And um, yeah, there's several, actually some several really fun sculptures. There's a few of the kind of like, I don't know what the future of the sculptures are going to be now that he's passed away. Right. I don't know if his family will try to maintain the park or or what. But if they have an auction, there's a couple I might be willing to try to snag. Nice. <laughs> And these are like real big steel, all used from like uh, repurposed steel and, and recycled materials. Um, and yeah, they're just, I, I find that stuff interesting. I really like that that technique. Yeah, like, and those, that, uh, that, like those, uh, those little statues that people make out of old bolts and forks and stuff like that. 
Exactly. But the, this, of course, on a much grander scale sure. with I-beams and, you know, who knows what else. Um, but yeah, there was some fun stuff. And then I just went exploring and um, just learned a little bit of history because there's other places here and there. The, the William Henry Harrison's tomb was nearby. So I stopped by there and I learned a little bit about the John Sims, who was a, a kind of one of the founding fathers of the local area. Or certainly you know, tried to be. He wanted to build a, a giant city uh, in this part of town, which never actually happened. But you know, he's got an entire township named after him, sure. so I guess he didn't do too bad. Um, yeah, and just did, did did some exploring and just um, enjoyed the day. It got some. The sun came out for a few hours during the day, and which was really nice. Got my car very dirty because I uh, I went to the highest geographical point in Indiana. Yeah. And then just about got my car stuck in a uh, field <laughs> as I was leaving. Stay to the road. Yeah, stay to the gravel path. But yeah, that's all I've, I've really done. Um, nothing else really special or, or anything. I think what we can talk about, though, uh, since we don't really have any news stories or anything, uh, we got a hold of another advanced screener. We did. And, you know, the last time it didn't go so well. <laughs> our sweet taste of souls or whatever it was called. Not so great. And you mean our space battle, whatever. Oh, that. I forgot about that one. See that I've already, yeah, <laughs> I've already raced most of that one. <laughs> All right. So the last two times, well, at least space, the, the space battle one at least came out with a couple good. No, uh, that, that one came films. away as long as you could get through the dregs of what it was. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, and then we have the uh, yeah we kind of done hit or miss because we did that one with the uh, that uh, cherry pie soul thing. I don't even remember what the name of the damn thing was called because it was terrible. Uh, but um, we did that, and then we had the alien addiction one, which was special. <laughs> which was special. We both really liked that one. We did. We got a hold of a screener for Hawk and Rev Vampire Slayers. Santa Muerte has a problem. And this man is the solution. I just saw some filthy ass vampires. You stop calling in crazy stuff in the middle of the night. In exchange, I'm not going to arrest you. He's dedicated. 201's vacant. Not anymore, it's not. It's filled with a bunch of these guys and their beady black eyes and bloody mouths. This is all temporary, right? And he's homeless. First off, no hurting or killing. But even he has a friend. What the heck is that? My secret steak. I always carry it. And even he gets lucky sometimes. Wow, never been booty called to a tent before. You think she's a double agent? I think she was definitely pumping me for information. Where'd you find this guy? Even if it means... Strip. What? Putting their ass <laughs> on the line. Even if they can't quite do it on their own. Look at this. That, that's, that's oil. I think I sharded. Oh, God. Hawking Ridge. Vampire. 
Krásnejs. have to say i think i even like this one better than alien addiction i like it when we're at odds with one another but i can't be on this <laughs> one uh after you had posted it out on social media that this thing was just truly stupid but it's but hysterical the whole way through i i can't describe it any better than that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have a brief synopsis that I typed up Ooh, um, that I can I can read for the audience here. Philip Hawk Hawkins is an ex special forces officer who is living a very humdrum life. Kicked out of the army for staking a fellow soldier with a two by four, who he claimed was a blood sucking vampire. He lives or lived in his parents' garden until he is forcibly evicted, and he is also working a boring dead end job as a nighttime security guard. Things get weird when it looks like the vampires have moved moved into his neighborhood. He enlists his vegan pacifist gardener friend Rev to help uncover the undead's plans and reveal them to the world. What follows in this indie horror comedy from writer-director and star Ryan Barton Grimley is nearly indescribable. Keep your friends close, the undead at a distance, and your secret wooden stake on you at all times, and you might wind up the hero. This thing, it's stupid as hell. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it performs so admirably for what it is. Uh, yeah. The production value is amazing. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I like everything is crisp and clean. It's not like this was shot with somebody's camcorder kind of thing. No, the, the, the production value is there. And for the performances that they're supposed to be giving, they are actually given rather masterfully. Like, yeah, like you totally buy that these are a pair of burnouts. <laughs> no, no, this is great. I mean, this is an independent film, but this these are actors. I mean, who are actually like kind of trained in the craft of acting. Yes. These aren't. Oh, I got my uh, brother in law to step in and be, you know, the shopkeeper. It, it, there's none of that. I dare say this is the kind of stuff that Seth Rogen wants to make and isn't. <laughs> These guys were funnier than he. Well, I'd take almost any independent film over a Seth Rogen film anyway, but... Right, I, but I mean, he's the current, uh, supposedly, the person you go to for a, a quote-unquote funny stoner movie, and this was way better than those. All right. Okay. I have a, uh, I found a quote that was on, uh, I saw it on IMDb that uh, came from the director and star, uh, Ryan Barton Grimley. Mm -hmm. He was answers, uh, answering somebody's uh, interview question. It didn't give, unfortunately, credit to where it came from. So why the heck did I make Hawk and Rev Vampire Slayers? Honestly, the world is just so serious and it's exhausting being tapped into media and technology 24 hours a day. It's really intense on how many issues are happening around the world. There are so many problems everywhere, and please don't hate me for saying this, but I was looking for an escape. I was looking for a laugh and something truly heartfelt, some much-needed levity and humor. I was looking for a break, so I selfishly made Hawk and Rev. It is quite simply a love letter to my childhood in the mid-'80s, a more innocent and clueless time when everything seemed possible and like it would turn out okay. 
It's a love letter to goofy weirdos with big dreams and ridiculous ideas. It's just plain old-fashioned escapism. Sure, there are themes and morals and critiques of the 80s, but at the end of the day, I really just hope you enjoy the ride and leave it with a nice heartfelt feeling and the knowledge that maybe, just maybe, we'll all be okay. Well, Mr. Barton Grimley, uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> he made a film where you get done watching this film, you're just like, you just, you feel happy. Yeah, and quite frankly, I might go look up his... Uh his soundtrack like like the music in in this thing aside from the fact literally some of it was made for the movie there I, mm-hmm. there's literally a song about hawk <laughs> right <laughs> but and, and how pathetic he is <laughs> and but i mean the music had such a nice tone to it uh it helped drive this thing um the everything that was just absurd about this but it it's just so much fun yeah (laughs) and the kind of lines that were just getting pulled off in this there's times where you're watching a film and there's like the moment where you realize ah i'm going to enjoy this it happened almost instantly in this film yeah because the opening title is 1980s like ridiculous neon animated uh, heavy style. metal kind of yeah heavy metal yeah exactly and it's like oh okay i know exactly what i'm gonna get <laughs> i'm in <laughs> yeah it sets the tone at all oh, and then right out of the gate and he's he's waking up in the backyard of his parents house in a tent which is that's his living accommodations and right. he, he lets himself into the house to make breakfast uh, breaks in breaks because in, the door is locked because right. the door is locked <laughs> but even the choice to have to have a letter that was hung to the cabinet in there and then when he goes to read it and it's from his parents and to literally have the voiceover be of of both parents simultaneously mm-hmm. reading it as as if they were like bob and june cleaver uh, it's all very happy. It's all very, very upbeat, except they're telling him, we're throwing you out, and we turned on the alarm. The police are on the way. Gotta right. go by. I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we said you needed to move out, we meant further than the garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it just kind of had the... It, it had like a National Lampoon feel at that moment. Sure. I'd love the... Uh, I love it in the in the letter. There's that line about if you're reading this, then you've broken in. <laughs> oh, and it, the film was just rife with moments like this. So, like there wasn't a spot where you were kind of bored. It was just no, no. It's some of the stuff just comes quick, and it's just the great jokes, the way they just lay them out and everything. Because he's got like um, he's got a bag full of like. Uh, his friend Rev is asking, why do you have all these teddy bears? I'm like, well, they're nanny cams. Right. Like, why do you need nanny cams? I was like, using them to record my girlfriend having sex. You went at porno with her? No, no, I, I needed to record her having sex with a friend with, with what she was like sleeping with a some other guy or something. And that's how he... To like, catch her cheating what? on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, what the hell kind of life do you live, Hawk? <laughs> Oh, and then when he uh, was describing to Rev uh, as Rev is trying to place these bunnies uh, around to uh, 
for since that's going to be their security <laughs> cameras right um they're they're literally tying these things off of buildings and, and he's handling one of them and hawk is explaining over the radio all the th- kind of things that she may have done with this bunny <laughs> Right, yes. And he's... <laughs> it's all the reactions of, you know, the individual reactions on the actors as the other actors say their lines. You feel like it's the first time that they're hearing some of this stuff. You wonder how much of the script they actually got beforehand because you really get the feeling that you only get your script. <laughs> You're not going to know what the other guy's going to say. <laughs> Oh, and uh, and uh, I apologize for not having my research available. I don't know the actor that played Rev, but uh, his name's Ari Schneider. Ari Schneider, thank you. But Ari and his expression through the whole thing—this big toothy, shitty grin <laughs> through everything yep. as he takes this very uh, pacifistic Zen approach. <laughs> Yeah, very very zen. Uh, Expression is just always zen-like, no matter what's going on. (laughs) On what 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 was the term that he uh, insisted on being called? He was kind of like a grounds engineer, (laughs) right? So a gardener. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone kept calling him a janitor at the start. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, it's a janitor, but outside, I'm a a right. Oh, and then the whole relationship with the the uh, the guy in the eye patch, and at the every time Rev ends a conversation with the guy, I'm sorry, I was looking at your eye. I can't help. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of these movies where you feel like there is just the right talent brought together, and not all of what you see on screen was ever scripted. They just worked that well together. Right that moments like that happen. If that's not the case, if all this stuff was on the paper, then, you know, then the writer is, uh, Barton Grimley is even a more master than we think. Right. And the actors are even more so because they were able to make it seem like it's all completely just natural. Right. No, at no point, uh, do you not believe that these these characters are exactly who they say they are? And, and, and you're kind of happy for them in their own little little world. They are happy people. Mm-hmm. Hawk has no sense of how hard his life actually is because he is content as long as he can wipe out vampirism everywhere. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter that he's living in a in an alley. Uh, in a tent, you know, next door to an un, uh, a uh, homeless accountant. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, the homeless accountant. <laughs> That's another one of the. Uh, you know, never mind. I can't say it. I, I don't want to ruin. No, let, let's so not much. ruin I anything. Sit there, but I want to sit there and like tell about scenes, but I'm like, no, no, leave it for people to actually watch and enjoy it as much as I did. Yes, and, and on that note, and talking about all the uh, stuff that uh, you liked about how. How it just seemed seamless, off the cuff, like they were ad-libbing most of this movie. Either they're doing so effectively, or it's written well enough, but if you want to get a sense of how well they all work together, you have to stick around during the credits. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Because the ending credit sequences uh, and everything they do, they just take, they take 
a scene and they just repeat it with different people and it just comes off each one you're kind of like that could have been the final take nope that could have been the final take nope that could have been the final take because all of them are fantastic (laughs) they all they all work yep and only get more funny as you go through (laughs) Yeah, I, I cannot recommend this one enough. I mean, if you like a good... Uh, it's listed as a horror comedy, but honestly, the horror, uh, it's not really there. It's not that gory. Uh, there is blood, you know. Right. Uh, it is, there is vampires. It's a vampire. It is, it is kind of like, you know, the fountain blood. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so over the top. I don't know if you could really call it gross. It's just... It's hysterical. The, it's the, funny is what it is. This is blood like in Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail blood. Yeah. Yeah, this is Black Knight quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is, it's only a flesh wound kind of quality. <laughs> yeah. So there are blood fountains. You will see it. So, But, yeah, it is very heavily comedy, and I, I can't recommend this one enough. It comes out March 16th, so it should be out about the same time this episode airs. Um, I know it's going to be on iTunes. You can actually pre-order it now at the time of recording. Um, I'm assuming it'll find its way to other streaming services. I hope so. Right. And I I hope they make actual physical media because I think I'm going to have to get a a DVD or Blu-ray of this thing. You're very much married to your physical copy. (laughs) I do. I do like having my physical copy because I I think this is definitely a movie that I will revisit and watch again. This this is that one that you'll go to the apocalypse knowing that you can play it on your your DVD (laughs) player. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, everyone check out Hawk and Rev Vampire Slayers. Really, really strongly recommend it from both of us. Definitely. So let's go ahead and take a break. We'll listen to a uh, promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we'll find something kind of polar opposite of the very natural and well-written uh story hey it's funny it just wasn't meant to be (laughs) yes and we get back we're going to take a look at a made for tv movie from 1977 ants Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Tell me what <laughs> Oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, Hear me. kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault.
premier motion picture. The ABC Friday Night Movie. Robert Foxworth of Falcon Crest joins Myrna Loy, Linda Day George, and Suzanne Summers at a get-together that is surely no picnic. The problem is ants. Regular little ants, like right here. But we've always had ants. Of course. Everybody does. Ants are ants. Not these ants. Even though they are joined by Annie Picnic's usual guests. Uh, 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 uh. The ants! The ants are coming into the hall! Mike! We gotta get out of here, look! Now we're gonna come up there and get you. How long? No more than half an hour. Listen, I don't think we've got five minutes. These ants could ruin a whole city, not just the delis. A series of mysterious deaths and illnesses plague a quaint hotel on a nearby construction site. The local Department of Health thinks an unknown virus is the cause. But the head of the construction crew, who watched one, who watched one co-worker die and has seen another one fight for his life, uncovers the truth. The construction unwittingly disturbed a huge colony of poisonous ants. The hotel becomes ground zero for terror as the ants trap several people inside, and it's a race to rescue them as the creepy crawlers move upward from floor to floor. This thing aired originally December 2nd, 1977, as an ABC Friday night movie. This is the same year as the major motion picture from Bird Eye Gordon, Empire of the Ants, and three years after Saul Bass's Phase 4. The writer Gordon Trueblood is a screenwriter that is behind several other animal run-amuck films like The Savage Bees in 1976, and its made-for-TV sequel, Terror Out of the Sky, in 78. He also did Tarantulas, The Deadly Cargo, in 77, and Jaws 3D, in 1983. This was produced by Alan Landsberg. He is a producer of many things, but he's a producer of one of a favorite show of mine, the original In Search Of. Ooh. We have a few stars. Uh, Robert Foxworth, who is a, a really prolific uh, television actor, uh, as well as he made some uh, smaller motion pictures as well, but he's most well-known for his appearances and uh, guest appearances on many TV shows, including, well, pretty much you name it, he's been on it. Right. Uh, we were talking before we recorded. You're watching a little bit of Babylon Five. He shows up up at some point on a Babylon Five. Yeah, he's uh, he's like an admiral or something. Let's go ahead and finish going through the cast. We sure. got Robert Foxworth as Mike Carr. He's the head of the construction crew. Right. His girlfriend, who uh, works at the hotel, is uh, played by Linda Day George. She plays a uh, Valerie. And then uh, his right-hand man at the construction site is Vince, played by none other than Bernie Casey, which was awesome to see him. Oh, yeah. And then a it's hard to believe he came from the same family. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the groundskeeper and lifeguard, uh, Richard, is played by Barry Van Dyke, who is indeed the son of Dick Van Dyke. And then we have some, like, Hollywood royalty in Myrna Loy, who plays the uh, elderly owner of the hotel. Myrna Loy's career goes back to the, oh my gosh, 30s and 40s, I think. And we get an early appearance of someone that actually does go on to do much greater things, Brian Dennehy as Fire Chief. <laughs> I'm waiting. You ha ha have somebody else that you have to name. I'm waiting. Oh, who is it? Who am I missing? You're missing Suzanne Summers. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. Sorry. 
This is Suzanne Summers in her uh, her uh, girl power sorta more moment. Yeah, that's true. This I think this was probably maybe just before her role on Three's Company. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely tries to uh, pretend to be the uh, empowered woman in this film, Who, and then who's uh, getting to the top by sleeping there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's what it ends up uh, turning into. Yeah, you know, in um, in the Star Wars uh, prequels, they came up with the uh, the Metachlorians uh-huh. as and you know and 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 Anakin's. They discover his Metachlorian count is like really high, which gives him like incredible power of the force. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I've decided that these actors have something called melodramians. <laughs> And particularly Robert Foxworth and Linda Day George, their melodramian <laughs> levels are off the chart. <laughs> oh, yeah. So much so, so much so that they control that camera zoom. So when they end a sentence, it slowly creeps in on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, uh, first, first off, uh, to, to do a callback to what we've been doing recently, uh, I prefer this movie Rift. <laughs> Yes. Because <laughs> what you're talking about, uh, scenes with uh, Robert and Linda, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> there was one moment I uh, I, I just, I, I busted out laughing so hard because they had just gotten done saying their lines and the camera's still on them and nothing is happening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that's the scene. And it's... And, and it's taking more than a beat <laughs> to, to yeah. move away from them. And they're just, there's this weird stare into the air. <laughs> like, and that's what I mean. You t- it doesn't not, they don't, it doesn't move away from them at all. No, that's what's funny. <laughs> they stop their lines. There's a beat. And then the camera like moves in just like a half click. And then it shows Linda and there's a beat. And the camera moves in a half click. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> That's what I was telling. You. That's the power of the melodramians. Uh, apparently, and uh, they, they, they're, they've, yeah, they're chock full of them. Uh, <laughs> and, and everyone kind of is in this movie. Uh, yeah. th- this thing's a train wreck <laughs> yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah, this is a film that could have been saved if everyone took it. I don't know how to really describe it. I was going to say if everyone took it seriously, but the problem with this film is they take it to the nth level of seriousness. I mean, everything that everybody says, it's like the most important thing that can ever be said. (laughs) This seems like a, a movie that gets made by uh, a bunch of teenagers trying to make their very first film ever. Uh, did you ever see uh, the movie Super 8? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so you know how the kid, the, the, the kids are making a movie, and then, of course, this whole alien thing happens in the middle of the movie. But then if right. you stick around and you wait till the end of the movie, you get to see the finished cut of their the movie that they made and um the bad acting the 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 the, the bad camera work and all that and you're like yeah that's about as good as this thing is (laughs) yeah yeah that was um 
that was the last film of J.J. Abrams that I uh, can le- legitimately say I enjoyed. Right. Yeah, before he started destroying franchises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this film, it just, I was thinking about that earlier today, is this one actually fits really well kind of into our MST3K unrift in that it was never on MST3K, but my God, it should have been. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. It needs a riff track. It, yeah. Uh, and I couldn't help but riff my way through it while I'm watching it because I couldn't believe this thing. Uh, can, 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 can you just turn me loose on this thing? Because I, 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 there's so many parts of this that I want to tear apart. <laughs> yeah, you, you say what you want. Uh, there is, this is not a, maybe okay is the best I can do. There's just moments that really bring this thing down. And it, a lot of it is the melodrama, is just it, Robert Foxworth and his delivery. Um, uh, maybe some miscasting. Uh, Barry Van Dyke in this, the role of Richard, it's not a bad part. Right. But it's hard to take him seriously because he's like... He's supposed to be like the pool boy. <laughs> he's the pool boy, but he's built like this Greek Adonis. <laughs> right. And it's like, dude, this is really distracting. <laughs> I mean, I just... I, I can't help. I, I what did you say? Because I can't pay attention because your muscles are too loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the your the, the strain of that t-shirt you're wearing is just it's distracting me. <laughs> well, and, and he's prettier than every other, all the women. In it. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're dealing with that now. Now I'm just gonna go really kind of meta here for a second. So. Everything about this movie, uh, it, you can actually look at this as less of a horror movie and more of like a, a, a disaster movie. Um, yeah, I'd absolutely it, put it's it. It's more like a natural movie. disaster um, unfolding. But what's particularly interesting about this is everything about the disaster is only made worse by the people who are involved in it. <laughs> And, and, and I'm starting to th- like as after I finished watching it, I'm like, could these people have done anything more wrong during this entire sequence? And then I started thinking, how isn't this like how we handle every real disaster currently? <laughs> and I'm like, a little bit. Um, let me now take us back to our hero, Mike Carr, uh, the construction worker, who is insistent that he knows that it's the ants that are causing mm-hmm. the problem and it's not some horrible disease. And I'm not even going to get into the argument with the guy f- who's insisting that it's a virus um, and his total non-scientific method for figuring out that it wasn't the ants. Um, right. However, he walks away from that so convinced that he is right, and he goes... I have an idea. I hope I'm wrong, but I have an idea. And he goes out and he makes it worse. He starts digging up the nest, (laughs) knowing that this is not a good idea. (laughs) And and he's absolutely right. It's a terrible idea because they then attack the hotel like crazy. And I'm like, you almost picture him in the cab of his... uh, of his bulldozer going, I don't want to be right. 
<laughs> I don't want this to really happen. <laughs> like, what the hell? The disaster only gets worse as the people try to, quote-unquote, help. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fire department decides, oh, you know, to try to get the people that are trapped in the, uh, in the hotel. They're going to use a, a ladder. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 they extend the ladder all the way up to the window and then decide to stop like a good three feet and just have the girl sort of leap out. The girl, of course, who we, we know is afraid of heights. Right. And they barely catch her by her wrist. And, oh, my gosh, she's going to fall. So let's raise the ladder even higher. To its highest <laughs> right. point. And then pull her onto the ladder. Okay, fine. Um, we'll go ahead and let that slide. And then, you know, they can't do that again for some reason. They can't put the ladder back against the hotel again for some reason. So now we're to the Coast Guard. So now the Coast Guard brings in one of their <laughs> giant Coast Guard helicopters. This is one of like, like the big helicopters. Yes. This is the thing. This is like the size of someone's small Cape Cod house. <laughs> yes. And they lower down the cage... You know the little uh, I don't know what they call it. You know it's the it's a it's like a cage, and they of course put uh, Ethel in there, the the elderly wheelchair bound woman into the cage, and then they lift her up, and the helicopter just flies away with her still dangling in this cage, and then the, goes to set her down. Like it's a helicopter. There's more than enough room in this thing to hold everybody plus. Times right, 10. You know, they, they're taking her, uh, but uh, regardless of whether or not they got her into the helicopter or that they could get more, they come in for a low landing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and the props from the helicopter are now shooting the ants into, into the, the air, crowd. into the crowd that's nearby. <laughs> I just I, I couldn't understand why they decided. Oh, okay, we'll do this one at a time. <laughs> There's no need for this. You raise that up. You pull it out of the cage. You lower the cage to the next person. You could probably get two people in that cage to speed things up a little bit. You raise them up, get them into the helicopter. You bring the cage back down to the next person. No, no, we're gonna do this one at a time. Well, perfect and, sense. And then it was a little confusing what had happened even with the cage when they were trying to put Ethel in it because the the cage snags on the side and somehow Richard falls out but what I'll admit until they actually cleared and made it clear that they had Ethel in the helicopter, I thought she had fallen out of the basket and that's why Richard had gone over the side. <laughs> Yeah, because it was yeah. completely unclear whether or not she was still in there. No, it it was all done just to increase the quote unquote tension, right? Or at least the attempt at tension. Oh, but the stupidity doesn't stop there. No, 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 no. That th- those are just that's the warm up stupidity. But then, then. Uh, our heroes have been trying to fight off the ants that are attacking the inside of the hotel by soaking the entire place in kerosene at the same time that everyone is digging a trench to fill with gasoline and set on fire. <laughs> All because the health department is saying so. Right. Well, actually, the 
Uh, I guess it was an entomologist that the uh, the woman, I don't know how she knew to go even to this particular guy. Oh, and I'm going to tangent here for a moment because uh, Mr. Uh, Ant Expert, uh, who is talking to the woman with the health department, he is uh, busy trying to explain uh, how it might, because she, she's pressing him hard. Is it possible? Is it possible that ants could poison people? Is it possible? And then it goes into message coming in. <laughs> message coming in. Uh, right. Yeah. It, it, it totally launches into uh, we're poisoning our planet with all of the stuff that we do do, uh, and it goes into all that. But aside from that, uh, he dis instead of just explaining his point to her, he has to show her a video. Yes. The video is clearly him on the video explaining his point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <God>. why <laughs> padding uh huh <laughs> they had 45 minutes of story and they needed an hour and a half and they wanted to use the stock footage of ants running around <laughs> right. that they had available so they had this dude do his own voiceover to that tape in, and stand there watching her listen to him while watching ants <laughs> No, the, the message moment was really rough because he practically looks at the camera. Yes. And then spouts off about how we're, you know, we're as we poison, you're back into, when we used just, just to use arsenic, it was simple. Like, okay. <laughs> and <everybody laughs> but now with all these chemicals that we put on our, our crops and et cetera, et cetera. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay. That, that was my tangent. Now back to true stupidity. Uh, so aside from the fact that we have set fire to a pit uh, next to a building soaked in kerosene, our heroes have made their way all the way to the top of the house, um, or the hotel in this case, and they have been told by this ant expert that uh, while they must wait like 20, 30 minutes for the people to come with the suits that could get them out of there, that they're going to be under, overrun by ants. And the only way that they're going to survive this is to sit as still as possible while our heroine, um, Valerie, does nothing but doesn't shut up and shakes feverishly <laughs> as the ants, <laughs> ants begin to crawl upon them. Only it is our our skeezy uh, casino guy that can't take it because <laughs> uh, they also are ha for whatever reason they can't breathe on the ants, so they have to breathe through a paper ta or through a tube that they've created out of the wallpaper. <laughs> Which my uh, original, my first thought was, and what if the ants go in your tube? <laughs> uh, uh, of which skeezy casino guy is the only one that manages to get ants that cover his tube. And, and of course, he freaks out and makes a mad dash for a, a hotel pool that he can't hope to possibly jump into and then doesn't. <laughs> right. As he falls to his death. But then... The truly laughable moment, the one where I was just in absolute tears, is uh, the the pair of people that are coming to save our hero and heroine that are stuck upstairs, covered in, in deadly ants, breathing out of uh, uh, out of rolled up wallpaper Pe tubes, are now being coated head to toe in poison. <laughs> yes, and the, and. God knows how powerful insecticide. Right. Yeah. No. It's this is supposed to be the insecticide powerful enough to kill these things instantly, so it doesn't kill them. And we're gonna, we're just gonna napalm you with it. 
Congratulations, you survived a horrible, painful death of ant poisoning, but you now have skin cancer and lung possibly cancer, lung cancer. Uh, brain cancer, colon cancer. Uh, hey, there's cancer on your cancer. <laughs> you may you may have a problem with your vision. Um, yeah. Uh, I hope you guys didn't want kids. You're probably sterile. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I, I'm just like I couldn't. I couldn't anymore. They when they gas bombed them right there. So at the end of this movie, there were no survivors. <laughs> Breathing through tubes fashioned by wallpaper that was probably put on top of lead paint. <laughs> <laughs> and all because this guy couldn't be wrong and decided to stir the pot. There was just so much wrong with this one. Um, I even had a problem with the cook. Yeah. Who we see in the film. What self-respecting chef works in his kitchen in sandals? Now, now, don't be culturally insensitive. <laughs> Sorry. Too many sharp things get dropped. This is true, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, the thing uh, that was particularly entertaining, too, is... Everyone that's visiting this place um, is behaving like this is the lap of luxury on this lake. And in the meantime, everywhere that they sit that they're supposedly soaking up in the, the sun, I mean, it practically looks like their pool is in the parking lot. Um, nothing yeah. about this is, is inviting in any way. And the entire time, the construction crew is busy doing their thing. So, uh, like... There's this scene with uh, Suzanne Summers and uh, and the uh, the casino guy um, Tony. Uh, they're up in their room. They're having a uh, they're having an intimate moment in bed as they discuss how they're going. They, it's clearly afternoon delight uh, right now, and they're having some pillow talk after the fact about how they're they're totally going to to buy this hotel all with the charming sounds of the diggers outside. <laughs> <laughs> Going, eh, eh, and, and at that time, it is literally our hero, Mike, digging up the ant pit. <laughs> at this point, uh, if he was a real uh, uh, robber baron of any kind, he's like, we ain't buying this place. This is a disaster. <laughs> and well. that's before the ants. Yeah, but his intention was to tear it down anyway to build a casino hotel. Sure, sure. Because that was apparently the big drive for him as they just recently uh, approved gambling in the area. Yeah, yeah, well, we can't... Unnecessary, unnecessary uh, subplot is what that is. <laughs> well, you had to have a reason you wanted him dead at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's... Effectively, that's it. Yeah, it it was the love by uh, love boat style bad guy. I have a problem with too. The, the ants go from just mindless automatons; they're just ants, right? To to times when you think, oh, okay, there's some sort of like overriding intelligence. Oh, you mean how uh, after the attack on the uh, the cook, the cook, they all slowly disappear down the drain to hide. Yeah, exactly. And apparently clean up themselves because they were on the floor, so he had to have stepped on a bunch of them. Right. And then, of course, when people came in and you found the dead chef and they were investigating, there's no sign of ants on the ground at all. Oh, yes. So they had to have cleaned up. Yes, because our, 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 our doctor uh, has, uh, has insisted that our hero, Mike, find an ant in the kitchen. 
Yeah, so you couldn't really tell if this was supposed to be like some sort of hive intelligence or if they were just ants doing what ants do. Right. And there was just a whole lot of them. So, yeah, it was very inconsistent. Um, a little bit. <laughs> you, you brought this up. You started watching it, and you were you were texting me a couple times. I had the same thought. I mean, the movie opens on a bulldozer doing its thing at the construction site. <laughs> yeah. And it looks a lot like if it is not the same bulldozer as Killdozer. And I saw that, and almost immediately I'm thinking, I think I want to go watch Killdozer instead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Empire of the Ants came out the same year. Right. That's also not a good film, well, but it's kind of entertaining. Gordon, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got giant ants, you know, man-size ants. So it's entertaining right. anyway. And they're man-size intelligent ants that plan on, like, dominating over the human species. That makes it kind of fun. Right. But these are just common, everyday household ants that... Our, our entire group here could have just simply walked away from them <laughs> God, and, right. and ended this tragedy. Yeah, and then I, I also mentioned Phase 4, which uh, came out in, I think, 74. And that's a very, um, it's almost an art house ant horror film because <laughs> it's directed by Saul Bass. So that's got to be a, uh, that's definitely a, that one's a little trippy, but that does also have ants with a purpose. Right. There's an intelligence. And, you know, that that makes it, I think, a little more terrifying when it comes down to, like, ants. Right. Or any kind of... Uh, if you're not going to supersize your insect, give them a, some driving force or something. If they're just ants doing whatever they do and you just happen to get in the way, uh, not quite as terrifying. You could you could just do a jig and save yourself. <laughs> Anyone that actually knew to pick up their foot and then put it back down again, uh, you you solved the problem. <laughs> Don't wear open toe shoes and you're good. <laughs> Especially if you're cooking in a hotel kitchen. I'm pretty sure there's some health violations going on there. Yes, but there wasn't a single ant in that kitchen. <laughs> no, that is true. An absolutely fun watch if you go in with the right attitude, which is this is crap. <laughs> and I'm just going to enjoy it for the crap that it is. <laughs> like we're saying, this one this one needs a riff. Uh, there's no doubt. I encourage everyone to make this a group a group watch kind of thing. This is the kind you need your friends around, maybe a couple of drinks, and you just sit there and you just tear this thing apart. Because uh, yeah, that's, and have a good time. That's what this is. It's probably why it was a Friday night ABC movie because you could probably sit down with a beer, <laughs> watch this thing, and go, "Ha, Suzanne Summers." <laughs> <laughs> As usual, I throw it out on social media that we're going to be watching this film to see if there's any uh, anybody that remembers any of these things. Uh, Chris Cree, she she chimed in. She just says, Suzanne Summers, right? She says, I think I recall a scene with someone running to jump in a pool because the ants are getting on them. A kid? I'm like, yep, correct on both counts. She replied, yeah, I actually think I saw the original airing on TV. And based on the year, I think I was probably too young, but it made an impression. And I was like... I told her, I was like, yeah, I, I would see at the right age, if you're 
you know, a, a very like single digit age watching this one, certainly the kid getting attacked by the ants and everything would definitely uh, that might scar you. I don't know which would scar you more, though, the, the kid getting covered by ants and then getting sick or the fact that his mother let him go dumpster diving. <laughs> yeah, he had to collect bottles to, to, so he could get the uh, the return form when they get his home. His mom is freshly divorced, and he's going to save the day by collecting refunds from bottles. Again, unnecessary. Uh... <laughs> like, I didn't need that. It didn't mean anything. This is just an excuse for this kid to go dumpster diving and get covered in ants. Chris Cooling of uh, Forgotten TV Podcast says, This box sat at the video store for years and I never rented it. <laughs> I could say that's probably the case for many. Steve Sullivan says, Not a bad flick and a classic promo. Well, I'll probably play the promo earlier in the show. Uh, I don't know, Steve. I think I might consider this a bad flick. Uh, but that's all the... Uh, comments we got on it uh, other than yours <laughs> oh, where and, you mentioned how much you were laughing uh, and, and, and TV Guide says on at 8pm I think it was 9 but <laughs> central <laughs> oh yeah yeah eight, yeah, 9 eastern 8 central sure I, I had to be right somewhere in there uh, not a lot of reviews for this movie <laughs> no I'm not surprised my 1997 Blockbuster Entertainment Guide to the Movies video has about two sentences. It gives it two and a half stars and says, Unruly ants make life miserable for vacationers at a resort. Grizzly film, not for the squeamish. Okay. I guess the sensibilities of 1977 were a little different than they are today. Or I guess maybe if you're just not into insects crawling on people i could see where it might be squeamish but honestly that's what's funny is there's just so many moments where there are times where the ants are ants on people and you see them crawling but for the most part most of it just you can't tell if they're ants or someone just threw black confetti on people they're very tiny they don't even use like big ants they're like the little small army ants or something yeah, no, they're just your everyday run-of-the-mill black ant. Uh, the, 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 the same one you uh, that will find somehow figure out to make a straight beeline to your refrigerator in your kitchen every spring. Uh, yeah, yeah, these are the ones. Yeah, they're not even like the big black garden ants or something like that, that you can actually see uh, you know, their bodies and their legs, which would have made this, I think, a little bit more... If you're going to try to go for frightening, I think that would have worked better. It would have been more threatening looking. Oh, and uh, yeah, our, our one heroine, Valerie, uh, she did have the uh, the one, well, at least from the actor's perspective, squeamish moment. Because she was one of the people that actually had actual ants on her uh, at mm-hmm. one point. And they did have a shot of her her face where the ants are crawling around and there was one particular ant that really liked her eyeball because it just kept crawling around her eye and it was clear she's trying at this point she's literally trying to sit still i think because she just doesn't want the ants on her anyway and this one is playing around her eye and that was the only legitimate acting we got out of the entire film (laughs) (laughs) only because it was real (laughs) yeah i'm guessing they at least got decent pay at least i hope so (laughs) 
Oh, you gotta love the special effects, too, when they wanted to somehow make it look like there was this giant swarm of ants approaching the, uh, the, uh, oh, that was so the hotel, bad. and it just looks like they kind of sort of painted the grass black and then had some effect to make yeah. it look like it's moving around. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I did read that the stuntman that they, you know, in the very beginning of the film, a, uh, the bulldozer, he's down in a pit. Right. For some reason. And a bulldozer backs up and knocks a big uh, pile of dirt down, which buries him. Mm-hmm. And that was an actual stuntman getting buried alive and using like a garden hose in order to breathe. And, and apparently uh, they only could do the stunt once because that's the only, he, he would only do it one time. Right. <laughs> which I don't blame him because you get several hundred pounds of dirt dumped on you. Um, but he, uh, he, um, he survived though. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, again, another great moment. It's almost a great moment for the movie too. Cause, um, this is our hero, Mike's, uh, construction crew. And somehow his crew manages to bury two of its own in, in, the, in the, in the opening moments of this movie. And like, right. Well, it's the good safety that's. <laughs> Yeah, it's the pit that was clearly marked that you shouldn't go in. I what that pit was supposed to be, I have no idea. They had sort of two by four forms as if they were going to They had a frame in it, but not like anything to hold back the dirt. So I have no idea what that pit was supposed to be. Oh, and then the cardboard laying across the top of the frame so as to hide the pit. Right. You know, yeah. to uh further encourage somebody to try to walk on this <laughs> come on kids and no no fences around this construction site whatsoever one single you could literally wobbly walk, sign you could literally walk from the pool of Lakewood Manor straight to the construction site no barriers whatsoever Oh yeah, there's there's OSHA violations left and right here. Well, and that's how we get in. Uh, that's how we get our introduction to the health department and all that. Is uh, yeah, is, is they're there because they're uh, they're investigating the scene a- after what is clearly uh, probably a violation of safety. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you want a made-for-TV movie with Bernie Casey, I would recommend Gargoyles over this. <laughs> I, I might recommend uh, just watching Static, but <laughs> it's more believable. Or, or, or Killdozer. Killdozer, yeah, you can't go wrong with Killdozer. I'm, I'm almost sorry that we uh, we watched Killdozer in October. <laughs> can't include it in our made-for-TV movie series. It kind of it, it's kind of what inspired it. It is what inspired it. So you know what it, it, it kicked off. Uh, uh, it, the, the thing of it is, is we went big too early. Killdozer Kill is a <laughs> good made-for-TV horror kind of movie. Um, everything we have watched since is not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find a gem in there somewhere. We just haven't yet. So I think that's all we can say about ants. It's not a home run for me. If you want, if you all want to watch it, it is on YouTube. It is. It's it's out there. It's easy to watch. the The print that's on YouTube is actually not too bad. Um, right. Yeah. It's probably VCR quality. It's air, you know, television air quality. I'm guessing it came off a of VHS release at some point. Because um, there's no hard cuts, so it's not taken from error. So I'm guessing someone rented the VHS and then uh, 
put it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's a nice clean copy. It, it, it's what I would have expected to watch if I had been watching it on ABC all those years ago. In fact, actually, it could have only been improved with commercials. <laughs> it would have actually been fun to see some 1977 commercials in there. Absolutely. I almost encourage somebody to go get uh, a, a full run with somebody's local commercials for that uh, period of time. Let's see what was going yeah. on in Pittsburgh in uh, <laughs> 19, <laughs> 1977. What's coming up on the local news? <laughs> well, what's coming up on the next time shifters, do you think, Tom? Is it time to go back? Are we going to leave the TV movies and jump back into the MST3K Unrift? Yeah, I think I think uh, it'd be fun if we kind of alternate these uh, as we go forward. And um, there's one you and I have uh, mentioned on a number of occasions, and uh, I, I'm excited to try to watch it Unrift because I still have not done so Unrift. So... I'm thinking we should do Danger Death Ray. I will not argue with that at all because that's one of my favorite mystery science theaters, and I I I have seen it unriffed and I enjoy it still. And I look forward to just sitting down peacefully to trying to watch it without. But uh, I I can only catch myself probably riffing along because that that one uh, that is actually <laughs> one of mystery science theater's better ones i mean i can already see the scene in the air where where crow says because the frogs don't listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will admit that even watching it uh unriffed i can't help but kind of the music is there Bing! <laughs> In fact, I dare say our next recording, you can't get away without somehow cutting in the theme song somewhere. Oh, it'll be there. Absolutely. This may actually be the first time I re-listen to myself on a podcast <laughs> just so I can hear it. <laughs> All right, well, that will do it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And any feedback or anything, do it all the usual ways. All the contact information is at the front of the episode. And again, I'll remind you, you know, uh, come and check out the, the Discord server. We've got a couple more people who have joined in the last couple of days since our last episode aired. So hopefully we can start getting some conversations started up there. I really ought um, to join. I, yeah. If, hopefully we'll get Tom over there at some point. <laughs> I'm still working on the TikTok thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do have about a half dozen videos up there. I need to get a new one up there with our new episode just having dropped. I haven't done it yet. Um, that's how to get a hold of us. So in a couple of weeks, we will talk about Danger Death Ray. Again, that is also available on YouTube. It's pretty easy to find. Um I'll be sure to like throw a link to that in our Facebook group and uh, in our other social medias and stuff too to let people know where they can find it if they want to watch it on Rift. Watch along with us. Yeah. So that'll do it. Tom, thanks very much. Um, ants. ants. Yeah. I'm calling the Orkin Army and calling this episode done. See you, everybody. Bye.